and welcome back to another episode of Loss of Down. I am your host, Stephen Weed, and of course, always joining me, my co-host in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Walter Lukashensky, which I'm pretty sure is finally just close enough to 100%. Wally, how are we doing out there, my man? Doing a lot better now. I'm still battling tired and what I guess fatigue and sore achy muscles but outside of that I'm I'm back I feel really good and I know we don't have as good news to talk about football wise this week we're officially both out of the the season now but as a whole we're doing pretty well over here Steven how are you holding up after this uh the tough loss on Sunday it's rough I am not going to lie I've had to you know just really dig deep and find out who am I especially as a Packers fan, and and whose side am I going to pick? Is it Aaron Rodgers? Am I picking Matt Lafleur's side in the front office? I mean, I have a lot of bones to pick, and honestly, kind of excited to get all this off my chest and just unload on a bunch of people who are probably pumped for the Packers losing. Probably like you, Wally. I know you used to live in Wisconsin. You used to talk about how you would love watching the Packers lose because all your friends were cocksuckers, essentially. But how do you feel about that? Were you happy the Packers lost? Do you enjoy this misery? See, I I genuinely can say that I, I didn't have any dog in this race here. Uh, I was rooting for you and, and family friends up in Canada that are ironically Packers fans too. Plus, not living up there, it's a lot harder to hate the Packers now. But I also have buddies who are are big Buccaneers fans. So I kind of just sat back this weekend, enjoyed a little bit of football. There wasn't really a narrative I was hoping for one way or another. I really, I was bummed out. I did want to see a show where we got to see fired up super Steven. So this sucks a little bit, but it is what it is. We got a great Super Bowl matchup. We're going to be able to dissect over the next couple weeks and it'll be fun, man. As much as I would love to see Aaron against Pat Mahomes, this is not a bad trade-off. I've always respected and loved Tom Brady. You know, I've gotten a little bit of taste now what the AFC has gotten the past 13 AFC championships the last 20 years. And man, oh man, does this fucking suck. I am ready for this man to retire. I know you guys were ready and I was like, oh, he can't be that bad. Here he is ripping my heart out like he's done to you guys especially you wally so we're kind of uh not as uh not as crucial not as bad as you know as you've been through but we're on the same boat now we are finally on the same boat but let's get down to some stories before we kind of hop into this matt stafford i think being the biggest one and one of the biggest ones came out this week that they have detroit and matt stafford have mutually agreed to essentially part ways, Matt Stafford is still under contract, so Detroit is giving him the okay to trade him away, obviously trying to get some great capital if that's either draft or some other players here. But allegedly, since that news came out of Matt Stafford leaving Detroit, about a third of the teams in the NFL have already reached out. So this is heating up, and I cannot wait. So while he finally, Matt Stafford's free. I like seeing him out of the division. He was never really a threat to the Green Bay Packers, but he was always a threat to do something at any given time, especially when he had Calvin Johnson kind of tampered off here because he's able to spread the ball around, which I think made him a better quarterback here the last few years. What are some of your predictions of Matt Stafford going into the offseason? Well, first of all, I think it'd be wrong to to mention this without talking about this is just another phenomenal player that the Detroit Lions wasted that they couldn't get anything done for. 
I mean, now I know that the, that Matt Stafford's probably not on the level of a position basis of Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders. It, that's another huge name, probably, very possibly anyways, a Hall of Famer. And that's a guy that never won a postseason game in Detroit. I mean, it's ridiculous. What, 1959 is their last time they won a playoff game? I can't imagine. We joke about Browns fans. We joke about Washington, the Jets, the Raiders, et cetera, et cetera. For some reason, it feels like maybe maybe it's just for people outside the NFC North. It feels like the Lions kind of get forgotten about by the national media. But it's a real shame, man. They're, they are one of the most abused fan bases in sports where they just can't get winners. So I do feel bad. Now, with that being said, I expect Matthew Stafford, I expect guys like Deshaun Watson, they're going to get moved to probably teams that weren't going to be drafting high enough to land one of these premier quarterbacks and Fields, Lawrence, Trask, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think that you're going to see a guy like Matt Stafford end up in a position kind of like maybe Indianapolis, maybe New England, where it feels like, hey... They are a quarterback away from being a legitimate contender in the league. So if you ask what my prediction or what my thought is right now, those are the two locations that stand out to me. New England with Bill Belichick. It feels like he loves these reclamation projects at quarterback. So I could see him going out there, especially considering the fact this year, I feel like a lot of people forget basically half their team sat out with COVID fears. They're going to be much improved on the defensive end next year. The Bills aren't out of the woods yet of dealing with a competitive Patriots team. And if you add a guy like Matthew Stafford or Deshaun Watson, they're immediately right back in that discussion as AFC East favorites. So for me, my guess is going to be New England or Indianapolis. Either one with Stafford immediate threat to potentially win a Super Bowl. Steven, I'd love to hear what your thought is, where you think he's going and how he think or how do you think his reception will be in Detroit in 10, 15 years? How will he be remembered? I mean, Matt Stafford is the greatest quarterback in Detroit Lions history. And he's he has all the records. He's had all the records, what, probably the past three or four years. You know, don't applaud me on my knowledge. Got a couple Lions friends, uh, Brock uh, Chamberlain, Mr. Kyle Butson, who love – they love him. So they're, um, you know, talking to them once that came out. They're pumped. Of, he's like, get this man out of here. We've been wanting him out of here since Calvin left because he just needs to win something, especially when – Matt Stafford's putting up great numbers through for 5,000 yards in a season, which has only been done in 12 seasons out of the 100-plus in the NFL. You put them in a team in New England, Indianapolis, yeah, they're instant contenders, like you said. A little kudos to myself here, Walter. I was kind of calling this year midseason with between Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford, I think would go to Indy or New England. I was more favoriting Matt Ryan in Indy, Matt Stafford in New England, obviously, just put two and two together. I think we know why Matt Ryan wouldn't want to go. But man, man, oh man, is Indianapolis all of a sudden just coming that team where they just have us? They have literally everything but a quarterback. Wait for them to wait for a good quarterback to be on their back nine, sign them cheap, and potentially could be making runs. They made a not a deep run, but they almost had that chance of beating the Bills in the playoffs. And God knows if they beat the Bills, what could have happened? I don't know. Matt Stafford's better than Phillip Rivers. I think Indianapolis could be a problem if they add him. So I'm on the I'm on that same train with you, Walter. Indy or New England. Either way, I think that, I think it's a win-win for Matt Stafford. Now you were kind of comparing him with Deshaun Watson as well, who is the next subject here. I believe when we spoke here last week, Deshaun is just not happy in Houston. How could you be? Just an absolute shit show of a, of a franchise, a dumpster fire of a team. That 
that they currently have. Deshaun Watson is looking to get traded. Top two. His second team is the Miami Dolphins, but the number one he wants to go to, the New York Jets, because he really liked the Robert Sala hire. He was pushing Houston to get at least an interview, obviously going on to hire him. They never did that because, like I previously stated, Houston Texans are a huge dumpster fire right now. So, Wally, I want to give you this question. Do you see Deshaun Watson getting out of Houston, going to one of these teams, or is there going to be a surprise contender that we should be keeping our eyes on? See, here's the crazy thing for me and Deshaun Watson right now. I'm worried that he's too good to get moved, where the price tag for him isn't going to be what you're going to see with Matthew Stafford. And Matthew Stafford, very, very talented quarterback, but when you consider his age in this too, I mean, Deshaun Watson's, you can make a a case he's not even in his prime yet. This guy has already proven he's elevated his team purely with his will to win. You lose Deshaun Watson, you lose Will Fuller partly through the year, and the guy's still competing with teams that could have made a deep push in the AFC this year. So I'm I'm a little nervous for him. I mean, some people are saying it would take three first-round picks to get him out. I'm seeing things today, and, and for the record, I'm sure you've seen it too. Every fan base in the world is convincing themselves that they have ammunition to go get Deshaun Watson right now, which is hilarious. But like a friend earlier, I got a thing sent a group me with a bunch of Cleveland buddies. They have one out there where the Browns, they would send their 26 overall pick this year, their next year's first round pick, a 2023 fourth round pick, quarterback Baker Mayfield, wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. for Deshaun Watson. So clearly, even in these dream scenarios where all these fan bases are convincing themselves that Deshaun Watson is readily available for their team, they're giving up stuff that we don't see happen in the modern NFL era right now. So I think I said it last week on the show and you're going to hear me echo it again. I think the the sneaky, the sleeper situation in this is that next year, Deshaun Watson either is not going to play or he's going to be in Houston still. But right now, who knows? He makes that point that he wants to play in New York. Maybe Robert Salah gives him a call and say, hey, how are you guys, you interested in our number one this year? Because with how high... Trevor Lawrence is regarded by many people that could eliminate a first or a second first round pick that they would have to get rid of to move him. So, I mean, right now I feel like the, the Stafford situation is much more clear cut. He will be moved. Both sides want him to be moved. It will happen. Texans, what incentive do they have to get rid of him right now? If you're not going to woo me or wow me with a, with an offer, hell I'll do what Mike Brown did with Carson Palmer. He's either going to sit his ass at home and watch people play football or he's going to come out and he's going to play with us until his contract's expired. Yeah, and it, it's it's like – and I'll go right back to it. Just an absolute dumpster fire. That man needs to get out of Houston. And like you said, I have, I have, I just have no idea. I think the Miami destination is great. Yeah, Brian Flores here, who is having his defense playing great. Tua just simply did not get it done this year. Oh well, he's only a rookie. I don't care when you're averaging 112 passing yards per game. It doesn't matter. I, I just don't see you as a viable option here in the NFL. I know it's still early on. Trade him away to Houston. Send hell, I'd send all my picks this year and to a just to have Deshaun Watson, and we'll we'll deal with that when we cross that bridge. Oh, and, oh, the trade actually went through. Shit, I honestly wasn't really expecting this. I guess we're gonna have to address some team needs. But adding Deshaun Watson automatically just makes your team better. He's one of those quarterbacks. No matter where he goes, hell, 
if he goes to the Jets, that's an eight and eight team at best. Like, what the hell does he have to work with there? I don't. Outside of having Robert Sala as your head coach, I don't understand what he is thinking, wanting to go to New York. But to each his own. Maybe there's some other things going on where there can be some trade talks there in the back getting him. I don't know. Someone else who is on the trading block, um, Julio Jones. Maybe a little Julio, Deshaun Watson mix up in New York. They got a lot of cap space. Ain't paying no more because they keep trading everyone. Get rid of Sam Darnold, but bye. But before we hop in here to the games, my man Dylan Watts actually sent me over this trade proposal between three teams. Check that. Four teams. This is what the proposal would be. It's between the Packers, Niners, Texans, and Patriots. Okay? I don't fucking want this at all, but we need to, we just need to address this. Packers send Aaron Rodgers to the Niners, the 30th overall pick, and Jordan Love to the Texans. The 49ers send the 12th overall pick, the 2022 first round pick to the Texans, second round pick in 2020 or in 22 to the Packers, and then Jimmy Garoppolo to the Patriots. Texans send Deshaun to the Packers, a fourth-round pick next year to the Niners, and the Patriots get a fifth-round pick. That's just an absolute clusterfuck. I don't know. I I have no idea who the hell is sending this. It's someone on ESPN, so they can't really be that credible. Not, you know, I'm hoping that this gets out to that platform and they're not going to kind of shut us down after that comment, but ESPN can obviously suck a fucking cock. I just never, I just don't see this happening. But Deshaun to the Niners, I would love to see. I would hate to see it personally as a Packers fan, but Deshaun to the Niners, that would just be really fun to watch, I think. Yeah, so in that scenario, Deshaun Watson ends up in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers ends up in San Francisco. Jordan Love ends up in Houston, and Garoppolo ends up in New England. Is that correct? You got it all right. So honestly, in that case right now, as much as it would suck for a Packers fan, you forfeit a couple years left of prime Rodgers. And then what? You you turn that into you get Deshaun Watson for his entirety of his prime for 10 years. So, I mean, in that scenario, I would have called them the winners. I'd call San Francisco the winners. And you'd have Houston and New England as the clear losers. But New England's getting Jimmy G back, back with Bill Belichick, the guy he originally wanted when he was, I guess, in hindsight, pushing Brady out for Jimmy G. But, man, like as a Packers fan, if that actually went through – Obviously, Deshaun Watson is just an absolute beast. But Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers to Deshaun Watson, that is just unheard of. That's just 40 years of excellence at quarterback. I want to say excellence on Deshaun Watson's part, way different than the first two I listed. But he is not a bad third to follow Aaron Rodgers. At the end of the day, I do not think that is going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen because I want Aaron to the day he dies. Uh, and for good reason, too. I completely agree, especially with what he showed this year, that he still has it. It's just a matter of does he have the the coaching staff? Does he have the play calling around him, the, the players in general around him, to get over that hump one more time at least in Green Bay? It could happen. For the record, I think Watson could get to that – discussion level of what Favre and Aaron is. That's his ceiling. Whether he gets there, who knows? But I mean, I think you'd have plenty of people in Green Bay that will at least entertain that scenario. But you're right. this is It's that time of year. We've got people suggesting trades that won't happen because we got football on the brain and we don't have an avenue anymore. Football's disappearing. We only have one game left. No Pro Bowl. We better enjoy it. And we have two weeks of talking about it before it happens. We can agree on this, Walter. It's going to be an interesting offseason. I feel now we're at that age, you know, we always, 
you know, I at least always kind of touch on this where we're at that age, you know, Hall of Fame wise, we know who all these players are, but we're just so embedded in the NFL now that we're, we just feel like we're experts. We're like, oh yeah, this person will go here. This person will go here. This person will go here. And there's so many great players up for grabs. If it's either free agency or just on the trade block and it's going to be fun, a lot, a lot more fun than any of the years I can remember recently. At the same time, I feel like I'm saying this every year, but it's just been getting better every single year. But I'm not complaining. Helps us have shit to talk about, doesn't it? Yeah, I'll never complain about having a little extra to talk about, especially this time of year where if your team's been out of it for like mine usually is every year since the end of December, it at least gives me that, oh, you know what? I'm okay talking about these potential trades we can make or the free agency guys we're going to be able to pull or the draft picks we're going to get because everybody convinces themselves in January and February and March every single year. Next year's different. We're going to be able to fix it this off season. And we're going to be the ones people are talking about in January and February. Will that happen? Absolutely not. I go through this every year, but of course I'm going to talk myself into it. It's already started, Steven. Of course it is. And that that's football in a nutshell. That's what keeps you alive. You don't remember how pissed you were for the four months of the season when they let you down. Oh, man. But those fucking other eight months are exhilarating. Oh, could not agree more. I mean, it's funny. Insanity. Definition. Doing a thing over and over again, expecting the same results. Those are football fans, especially for... Sorry, bud. If you're a Raiders fan, you're a Brownies fan, finally turn to the page. If you're a Lions fan, same thing. And that's what I love about it. Just a bunch of fucking idiots boozing, yelling at the screen every single Sunday. <sighs> Nothing better than a Sunday couch coach. Well, here's the thing, too. You want to talk about doing the same thing year in and year out, definition of insanity. You know, as Raiders fans, think about it. In the last 19 years, there's not been another franchise that has gone 500 or lower 18 of the 19 times. But Raiders fans, in the one year we go over 500, the one year they go to the playoffs, they lose their starting quarterback right before the final game. But here we are. It's been 19, 20 years, and I still think something's bound to change. So be it then Sundays and the fall start happening, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute, this feels oddly familiar. But you best believe that I will have myself come August convinced the Raiders are going to go 12-4 and and win the AFC West. You never know, man. You never know. Your boy Pat Mahomes could fucking zig when he's supposed to zag, tears ACL after the year. Next thing you know, that division is up for grabs. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to sit here and be like, hey, I'm rooting for injuries because we don't do that here. That's not what we do. I will just say, though, that if Patrick Mahomes got hurt, that would be the best chance the Raiders had to win the division. Not rooting for it. But if it happens, the Raiders have to take advantage. And before we segment over to the Chiefs, just a nice friendly reminder to get the rope around from Wally's neck off. The Raiders are the only team to beat the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Kept it pretty damn close the second time around as well. So that's something to kind of hang your hat on going into the offseason. But speaking of said Kansas City Chiefs, uh, stop me if you heard this before. Kansas City goes down very early in the game. Goes down 9 nothing. Tyler Bass misses an extra point. Cannot be having that. But at the end of the day, doesn't fucking matter because they rallied off a nice 38-6 run. My goodness. Kansas City, back in the Super Bowl, back-to-back years. Could be three in a row if they get the, if they get the coin toss in the AFC Championship game back in 2018. But I don't really give a shit that much. Back-to-back, 
for young Patrick Mahomes and that roster. It's, it seemingly seems that we all forgot who this team was because in our minds, the gambling minds, they just weren't covering, covering spreads. So this just simply isn't the same team, and why should we trust this? But Wally, after the absolute drumming of the Buffalo Bills, the hottest team in the NFL, I'd argue, how are the Kansas City Chiefs looking, and how could we forget about this potent offense? Well, that's the thing, Stephen. We can confidently say on our show we haven't done that. Because every single week of the regular season, we would see the Kansas City Chiefs look lackadaisical, bored. And everybody in the world starts doing this. Are the Kansas City Chiefs beatable? Are they all vulnerable all of a sudden? And we convinced ourselves, not us, by the way, but the country convinced themselves that this team was not what we thought they were going to be, that there was something left, there was something to be desired. They were 14-1 and one with their starts this year. Yeah, and I'm glad that you said that the Raiders were the only one to beat them because the Raiders were the only ones to beat them. The Chargers getting that fake win at the end of the year against the practice squad of the Kansas City Chiefs doesn't count. This Kansas City Chiefs offense, I don't care if you're trying to say that Patrick Mahomes isn't that good because he has Tyreek Hill. He has Meikle Hardman. He has Travis Kelsey. He has Andy Reid coaching. They have all these things. Guess what? Yeah, it's a match made in heaven for them. It's a match made in hell for the rest of the country. Here, Stephen, I got something that I want to tell you. Patrick Mahomes drives this postseason. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, field goal, missed field goal, field goal, punt. We have a punt. The first drive of the Kansas City uh, Buffalo game, he had to punt the ball. Believe that or not. But then here, get a rest of the game going right here for Patrick Mahomes. Touchdown, 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 end a half kneel down, field goal, touchdown. Touchdown, end of game, kneel down. This guy right now is a cheat code. And I don't care how good these defenses are. I don't care who he plays right now. I'm not going to pick against him. I'm not going to pick against the Kansas City Chiefs. You heard me pick the score 38 or 35-20 in the last game. No big deal. Humble pat on the back here. I was pretty damn close. The part that kills me is I had this confidence factor. I was telling you before the show, I'm like, you know what? The Kansas City Chiefs? They're going to cover 16 and a half. So I take an alternate spread. I throw 100 bones on it. Going to win over 500 back. Everything looks good until what happens? The Bills recover an onside kick with three minutes to go. And then there's 118 penalties on Buffalo for unsportsmanlike. But there's one on Kansas City. So they all offset. And then he hits a 51-yard field goal. The longest in Arrowhead Stadium's history in the postseason. To beat me and rob me of my money. I hate the Chiefs more today than I thought could ever be possible. I already hated them, but now they're actually taking money out of my pocket too. I, I, I'm at a low. This is the a Super Bowl from hell for Raiders fans. You have Tom Brady versus the Kansas City Chiefs. You have Antonio Brown. I, I just, I have nothing, man. I have nothing. I really am desperate for this two weeks to be over. It's coming, buddy. It's coming. Don't worry. We have a lot of money to throw in the Super Bowl, which unfortunately we'll get to next week because that's when all the juicy prop bets get there. But man, Kansas City, they just casually throwing up 40 points as usual. I mean, that that Bills team, like I said, hottest team in the league. Last time they lost was the Hail Mary against the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken. Man, oh man, this Bills team is playing rough. Josh Allen is playing great. But of course, I think we were all kind of thinking this. Josh Allen is playing great, but then we all remember the Josh Allen that he has been the last couple of years. We're like, we're waiting for those fuck-ups. Here they are. Josh Allen going back to his old ways here. Had a turnover, slinging it, 
not the way he's been slinging it all year. And man, oh man, that Bills team obviously is in much need of a little bit of a repair of their defense because they're realizing that if you're going to want to play against Kansas City, you're going to need to have at least a defense that can stop a minimum, minimum, actually maximum two, two stops a game. That's all you need. As long as that offense can continually churn out the points that they were putting up, especially Stephon Diggs, get some more people involved, that's going to be a dangerous offense. But that's going to have to wait till next year now, isn't it? I've been critical of Josh Allen this year. He didn't even play poorly on Sunday. I know that he had a lot of garbage time stats once the game was a little out of reach. But what it comes down to is he's going to have to elevate his game at some point to beat teams like the Kansas City Chiefs in January. He's very good right now. If I'm Buffalo, and by the way, hands up. I'm not trying to, to like make it sound like I was right about Josh Allen because I was wrong. Josh Allen has the potential to be a very good quarterback. But he's not there yet. He still has to take steps to get better. He still has to take steps to be a realistic Super Bowl threat. And it's as simple as this. They're not there yet. He's thrown five touchdown passes combined in his four playoff games. He needs to elevate his game. You hear guys joke about it. You hear them like the part of my take guys, all that, where they'll talk about how Josh Allen, he wants to win so bad that in moments of pressure or there there's a little adversity, he tries to do too much at times. And that has been his biggest, I feel like, shortcoming. He just needs to simplify his game. He needs to simplify his thought process. And I think coaching is a big factor in that too. You have to know you have a young guy, a guy that's very emotionally high strung. And he's liable to make mistakes in big situations if you make things too complicated at this stage of his career. But I tell you what. Tables are going to be an endangered species for the next 15 years. I'm so happy for Buffalo. They deserve this. They have a great building block right now. They have a very bright future. And I tell you what, if there's one city that deserves it, it's freaking Buffalo. Absolutely. Obviously, you need to you need to reference the four straight Super Bowls that not only did they go to, but that they lost. And this is the closest that they have been since, you know, what, late 80s, early 90s? Well, I think 93, 94 was the last time that they were in there. Yeah, and that four-year stretch, too. I mean, the Bills were very close in several. By the end, they weren't nearly as good as those Dallas Cowboy teams were. They got blown out a little bit. But, I mean, early on, you remember the Northwood missed field goal. People still have nightmares in Buffalo about it. I mean, it looks like they're going to beat the the New York Giants. Unfortunately, Northwood pushes it, pushes one right, actually. I guess wide left from the television perspective. But, I mean, I, they have a bright future. There's a very real chance and there's a very good reason to believe if you are a Bills fan to think you will be seeing a few Super Bowl appearances in the Josh Allen era. I think America wants that for you. I think people are already sick of Kansas City. I know I am already sick of Kansas City. Let's get some new blood in there. And I think Josh Allen certainly has the potential to do that. You know, the Bills are just having a fucking nightmare right now. They're like, yes, this is finally our shot. We can get the division. Don't have to worry about Tom Brady just ruining it. And here we go walking into another 15 to 20 year dynasty. I mean, they just cannot get it right. And as a whole for the AFC, they just got to be pissed. Because like I obviously alluded to earlier, I finally got a little bit of taste of that. The playoff heartbreak playing against Tom Brady. And then you got Pat Mahomes here on the other end, seemingly about to do it here for the next 10, 12, 15 years. Obviously, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But man, oh, man, the AFC just cannot. They can't catch a break. And even though you're saying, oh, well, they could get to a few Super Bowls, as long as Kansas City chokes, Bills don't have to face them. 
That's the one place, uh, you know, that's the only way I think that they'll be able to get there. But you never know. You got to always have in the back of your mind, Pat Mahomes can't win every single one of them. They're not going to pull the fucking John Wooden Celtics running eight in a row. They're not going to pull that. The next three or four do not seem like it can be the Bills shot. But you never know, man. You never know. I think it's crazy too. And, you know, there were so many fun ideas for possible narratives and storylines going into this Super Bowl. But it would have been so funny had the Bills managed to win, where they're like, finally, we're back. We're in the Super Bowl. We got rid of Tom Brady. We don't have to worry about that bastard anymore, beating us twice a year, keeping us out of the postseason, and then to potentially have to go to his house, to his home in Tampa, and play them in the Super Bowl immediately after seemingly getting over Tom Brady and the Patriots. It would have been an awesome, awesome storyline. Unfortunately, we don't got it this year, but Tom Brady probably has 20 years left in him the way he's going. I I don't care. And he he will get that eventually. I don't care. Until I see Tom Brady dead, he will not die. The bastard's going for more Super Bowl titles himself than any franchise together at any point. Like, that's insane to me that he could have seven and the Patriots and the Steelers have the most for franchises at six. That should not happen. My conspiracy theory that no one's really talking about here. So we all know the classic SpongeBob episode. Him and Patrick are selling the chocolates. They're trying to upsell them. They knock on this woman's door who has, who has quote unquote, her grandmother there, who literally is just a skull and a spinal cord. And they said, if you rub this on your skin, you'll live forever. My theory is that they did rub it on that frail, bony person's skin. He floated to the top of the water, had a sex change, floats to the top of the water, washes up on the Tampa Bay shore. Bruce Arian says, wow, this is a pretty good-looking guy. I'm going to pick him up for my starting quarterback because apparently Bill Belichick is the daughter in this scenario, if you guys don't pick up on that. Patrick and SpongeBob rub the chocolate on. They live forever. He's throwing footballs and dimes in Tampa Bay now. I've got a stat for you, Stephen. I have to share. Steph Curry, 44% three-point shooter. Tom Brady has been to 47% of the Super Bowls that he could have in his or in his career. So it is more likely Tom Brady plays in the Super Bowl than Steph Curry is at making a three-point shot. That is absurd. That is dumb. And all I can say is the NFL has prided itself on parody for its entire existence. Anybody can win if you get in the playoffs. It doesn't feel that way. It really doesn't. You go from Tom Brady to Patrick Mahomes now. We're just, I mean, we should feel lucky to see greatness like this. But you know that that's not how American fans feel right now. We're tired of these guys winning every year. And to sprinkle some more hate on Tom Brady, he's been to 18% of the Super Bowls ever played. He's almost been to a fifth of the Super Bowls. That's fucked. That is absolutely fucked. And finally, I've been kind of dodging this bullet here all episode. That's why you guys kind of hear me rambling a little bit more than I uh, than I usually do. But you know, now I have to uh, now I have to kind of face this head on. Tampa Bay comes in, just completely outduels Green Bay. Tampa Bay finally going back to the Super Bowl first time in two thousand two. Hell, that was their first win since 2002, the playoff win, that is. So they're going back. As Wally alluded to earlier, Tampa Bay is hosting the Super Bowl, first team in NFL history to host the Super Bowl. So, Wally, before I just completely, uh, you know, rip through 
my mic, my room, tearing down all my Packer shit on the wall. I want to go to you first. What do you think about this game? Why the fuck is Tom Brady so good at football? And obviously, we'll get to the comments after the game, but what do you think about Green Bay's outlook after this as well? Well, I, I think you have to start, and I think most Packer fans realize you have to start, when you watch that post-game press conference from Aaron Rodgers, it really does feel like anything can happen. If It, it, it could realistically have been Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Packer. I'm not so sure he wants it to be. I'm not sure yet. What? still to, to be figured out there in Green Bay. Without him, I mean, you immediately go from being a Super Bowl favorite to all of a sudden you, you kind of have almost a soft rebuild as you let Jordan Love acclimate to the quarterback position. Hopefully he's as good as they expect, and if not, then you have to com- continue that quarterback carousel that teams d- go through. Packers fans, not so much. It seems like every time one Hall of Famer retires, they just insert another one. So knowing that Jordan Love he'll end up being a 5,000 yards passer himself. It just happened that one time, okay? Just one time. Oh, wait, sorry. Did Bart Starr, did he just not play football? Do we pretend that didn't happen? God, you make me sick. Get the fuck out. He was he coached the Packers, uh, I believe, late 70s, early 80s, completely was just a shit coach, retired, and then we were absolute dogs. Actually, check that. Oh, yeah, Bart Starr. You've, you're fucking kidding me, Wally. This man... Last time he was in the organization with the Packers was 83. And even then, they were dog shit. They were dog shit the whole 80s. They were dog shit in the 90s till they had Brett Favre. Yeah, we got a little lucky. Wouldn't mind getting Deshaun Watson as, you know, the old trio. Kind of kicked Bart Starr's old racist ass out of there. And uh, have them as the trio. But we'll we'll see. The moral of the story comes down to the fact that in the Super Bowl era, you have had a Hall of Fame-ish quarterback for, what, 40 of those years? 50s, 60s, he had one year in the 70s, so I'll give 50s and 60s. 70s and 80s were fucked. Okay, yeah, you got, yeah, yeah, all right, you got me on that one, bud. Because, like, trust me, at this point, I I just, I think most of our teams out here in the league, like the Raiders fans, I've been trying to replace Rich Gannon for 20 years. The world has been trying to replace Rich Gannon for 20 years, and Raiders fans are still not happy with Derek Carr. I do not know what they expect. I do not know what they hope. At the end of the day, all I'm saying is Packers fans have had a little bit more success than the average NFL fan has at the quarterback position. Is that fair? No, I will give you that. Absolutely. There's been good quarterback play consistently for a lot of teams, but yeah. You know, not to this stature. The only other team that will, you know, that you guys can think up off the top of your head is obviously the Niners teams where you had Steve Young or Joe Montana. Then he had Steve Young kind of replacing them. I mean, that's just show you how rare that actually is. Obviously, two Hall of Fame back to back. You're not expecting that. But last time that was ha- last time that happened was in the 90s. So fast forward 20 years and here we are. Yeah. And I mean, even there's a NFL franchises out there, too, where. I feel like they kind of somehow get this overlooked where the Packers do always seem to get credited with having a Hall of Fame guy. But like you said, like the like the, the Cowboys, the Cowboys, you had Staubach. You follow that up with Aikman. You follow that up with Romo. Now you have Dak Prescott. It's not like there's teams out there that have no success. So, But we did get off topic. That's my fault. I kind of went off on a tangent. You asked about this game. I'll keep it brief because I do want you to take it away. This is your team. I want to hear your take on it more than anything else. My big takeaways were were two quick things. One, Green Bay finally adjusted early in the second half. They went down 28 to 10. I think if you extend that game five to 10 minutes, we might be looking at a different Super Bowl matchup. 
That didn't happen. It took them 31 minutes for the defense to show up and get into this game. And unfortunately, that's too late, especially against a Tom Brady-led team. That being said, you were down eight points just outside of two minutes left in this game. You have one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the sport. You do not kick a field goal there. What it effectively turns into is you're basically in the same spot after this field goal that you make where you have to get a stop and score in a very shortened period of time without timeouts to win the game. You're in the same position with that field goal. I couldn't stand it. It didn't make sense to me. I say you trust one of the best ever to go out there and do it. If you lose because you don't score, you live with that because Aaron Rodgers had the ball in his hand at the end of the game. You don't have these questions in your head. What could have been? And then people like myself too, when I watched that third down play, it looked like Aaron Rodgers had room to run it in. Once you see the other camera angles, there, it would have been a lot more difficult for him to get into the end zone than people like myself initially thought. So I'm not blaming Rodgers. This was all Matt LaFleur. What are you doing kicking that field goal? If that happened on my team, it, I can already tell you that I would probably be screaming for heads to roll. I know that's probably a bit reactionary, but I'd be really disgusted. I'd be really pissed off if I'm a Packers fan. And now it's simple as this. I'm going to hand it over to you. I want to hear your take on it. Don't don't hold back. This is your uh, your last little Packer talk of the 2020-2021 season. And who knows? Maybe Aaron Rodgers' last game. So let's hear it, Stephen. Of course, I'm not going to hold back and I'm going to pop off. This is literally the reason that we got this podcast, so we can do whatever the fuck we want and pop off. <clears throat> first of all, I'm going to take the the first 10, 15 seconds here. I'm going to take the high road. Um, obviously, want to congratulate the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They came into Green Bay. They gave it to us. Uh, Tom Brady, the the GOAT of quarterbacks, gave it to us. Cannot be surprised. So uh, congratulations to them. Their defense played outstanding uh, first half of the game. Now, to my Green Bay Packers, who ripped out my heart again this year, which I feel like I've been alluding to the whole uh, first season here of the Loss of Down podcast that, you know, I'm just ready for them to rip my heart out again. Here I am having my rip my uh, heart ripped out. So it starts off here. Tom Brady goes six of six on third down conversions on his first two drives. That's 14 points. You cannot allow that to happen because three third down conversions on the first drive, you just can't have that. He set the tone very early and dominated us Dominated us in the first half. Aaron Rodgers popped back. He was looking good. He had that 50-yard dime to Marquez Valdez-Scanlon that kind of opened the game up a little bit. Had me surprised, you know, especially with the way that Green Bay's offense did play against them uh, in their matchup here in the regular season. I like that play a lot. So I thought that opened up the game. Our defense completely shit the bed in the first half. I think the deciding factor of the game ultimately was about eight seconds left in the first half. Aaron Rodgers just throws an interception to potentially, you know, he's going down there to drive for, you know, best case scenario, a touchdown, maybe a field goal to tie the or cut into the deficit a little bit. Throws an interception, which personally, I don't know if I'm going to sound biased or not. Any other game, regular season, literally any other game. Other than this, that is a PI on that cornerback tugging on tugging on Alan Lazard's shoulder pad. You see nothing but shoulder pad. Granted, the cornerback did make a great play on the ball. I will give him that. But I don't, you know, domino effect, I don't think, or I guess I should say butterfly effect. I don't think that interception is happening with that little bit of a tug on Alan Lazard. Nonetheless, Aaron, don't be throwing those at the end of the half. And then you have Mike Pettin lining up in single coverage. To end the half, Scotty Miller burns Kevin King. Kevin King has an absolutely horrible first half. 
Second touchdown scored on that man. They go up 21-10. First possession Green Bay has in the th- in the uh, third quarter, Aaron Jones fumbles the ball, 28-10, looking like a dumpster fire. Green Bay's defense finally a team that can adjust. Defense picks Tom Brady off three times in the in the second half. But what does Aaron Rodgers do? First interception, cool, we got six. Cool with that. Second interception, three and out. Third interception, Tom Brady. You cannot have that against that Buccaneers defense. Now, granted, they were missing their two starting safeties, and they were missing Antonio Brown. But that rush was just absolutely bending Aaron over like it was his first day in gen pop. And like, who is this cute little white boy? And they were just giving it to him. They sacked him five times. It was just absolutely abysmal. But the thing I've finally been able to wrap my head around here, which kind of sucks, is, you know, you, you know, the defense kind of shit the bed in the first half. They picked it up in the Second half, Matt LaFleur has that horrible call to kick that field goal. Obviously, I'm looking to go for it on that on that fourth down. And even that third down prior, we're looking at all the different camera angles. Honestly, I think Ndamukong Sue would have hawked down Aaron Rodgers, made him short a few yards. Ultimately, I think that would have made the decision for the field goal irrelevant, and we would have gone for it, which breaks my heart. At the end of the day, as a collective, outside of the defensive problems that we're having in the first quarter, or first half, I should say, we still had an opportunity to win that game. And I think Aaron Rodgers lost us that game. But you know what? I'm actually not that mad because this is the fourth NFC Championship game that he has lost. And obviously all the other playoff games prior to this. But this is the first playoff game I can actually say, you know what? Aaron Rodgers lost us this game. And I don't give two shits. I would rather have Aaron Rodgers lose us this game than having our defense let us down like they get like they did against twice against the Cardinals, a bunch of times against the 49ers in the Colin Kaepernick era. But it was finally Aaron Rodgers to fuck it up. So I'm cool with it. It sucks. I really think uh I really think that this could have been the year, but at the end of the day, I'm not eager to play the Chiefs or wanting to play the Chiefs. But the Chiefs have two, both their starting tackles out, which really fucking hurts right now. Um, I was saying it throughout, you know, the last couple of weeks here on the podcast that we actually had it, that I actually believe that Green Bay finally can win the Super Bowl. And I was pumped. And it came crashing down because, like I said, Aaron Rodgers was the reason that we lost this. But for him being the reason we lose this, I can I can uh, sleep better at night. And I can't wait for next year. Aaron's going to be back. So you, you actually feel confident that Aaron Rodgers is back in green and gold next year, huh? Once he made those comments, I was just waiting for Tuesday because that's when he goes on Pat McAfee's show, and that's when he kind of just lets it all loose, doesn't really give a shit. And, of course, he just didn't casual Aaron fashion. Oh, well, you know, I didn't mean anything by, you know, my features kind of up in the air. I just meant for all the other guys because, like, you are you were kind of saying, you know, Alan Lazard, free agent, Aaron Jones, free agent, Corey Lindsley, all pro center. He is also going to be a free agent. There's just a lot of question marks on here. Kind of like what Wally was saying, there's going to be a soft rebuild. Absolutely, especially if we can't, you know, re-sign some of these guys. I'm expecting Aaron Jones to walk. I'm just going to say it. That was the last play that we're going to have Aaron Jones as a member of the Packers. I'm only okay with it if that results in signing Jair Alexander, who is the second best corner in the league. The only reason I can't say first is because Jalen Ramsey, and I'm not arrogant enough to say that he's better than Jalen Ramsey because we know he's not. All Aaron wants is a, is a new contract. I'm okay with that. Green Bay, 
bite the bullet, look in the camera, say you fucked up, you picked Jordan Love for no fucking reason, trade him off. I don't care if if it's for a seventh round conditional draft pick. Get Jordan Love off the fucking team because you know what have you know what have could have been a game changer? I don't know. If you would have had a Patrick McQueen on the team, who I thought you guys were trading up for, or any defensive player, because that's who we need. That's who we need now, especially with those early draft picks. Devontae's the best receiver in the league. Let's get him let's get him another compliment. And I think that Green Bay can be right back in the conversation here around the same time next year. Yeah, if you bring back Aaron Rodgers, I completely agree. I mean, the guy's proving right now. He takes care of himself like Tom Brady does. He has extreme respect for his body. It's clear. And he looks like prime Aaron Rodgers still. Yeah, he was a little off sometimes on Sunday. Uh, I, I can understand why you would feel that he left a lot to be desired. I you, I feel like you could have made a case for both of those guys on Sunday. Because, I mean, Tom Brady came out. He was electric for 31 minutes in that game. And then in the second half, he looked shell-shocked when you guys adjusted to him a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, my biggest issue if I was a Packers fan this game would have been clearly – the, the DPI at the end of the game where you're stuck wondering, hey, were we calling it truly even all throughout? Not to say that they were in favor of Tampa Bay or anything like that. What I'm simply saying is if you are going to swallow your whistles for 55 minutes in that football game, you have to call it the exact same way with a minute and 20 left as you did 13 minutes into the first quarter of the game. And what the worst thing about it is, obviously watching, I was like, absolutely no. No. Let the like you were saying, you were letting them play all fucking game. Why are you calling this call? And then you see the angles on it where, oh, well, he sees the shirt stretched and all this shit. First of all, that ball was fucking uncatchable. Second of all, that guy was flopping like LeBron James. It I, it was just it was just maddening. It was just very maddening. And it felt like that was the refs threw that flag and they're like, yeah. You know what? That flag right there kind of made up for that Saints LA Rams call there. So, you know, it's all even. Absolutely not. Dog shit. And the fact that the ref who threw the flag, A, it was it was so fucking late. They were lining up for the next plane you guys were throwing that. And B, just where that ref was sitting when he threw that. That is my biggest pet peeves is refs not in the right position throwing the flags. Obviously, more than basketball. I feel like that's more uh, relevant in basketball. But for football, it's the same thing. Like, what in the fuck? Like, you don't see – he just seems like he was looking around. He's like, no, well, uh, I'm going to throw my flag on here just to be uh, the black sheep of the group. And when it comes down to the referees – are the reason that the game is changing. That's where I draw the line. So here for me, the way I took it, it was, was that a penalty on the last play there? Yes, I believe that was a penalty. But then you also need to be calling penalties earlier in the game because I I can definitely hear the the people, the Packers fans saying the the ball is uncatchable. Who knows if you don't get the pull, maybe he's a little closer, maybe it's a little whatever. But then you have situations that you brought up earlier in the first half or in Rodgers' interception basically towards the end of the half. That's very similar where you're like, you know what? I really feel like that's called in a typical situation in a typical game. And if you're not going to call that, you shouldn't call that at the end of the game. And effectively, it's the same referee making both decisions of calling that a foul or not. And that's what's frustrating because both of those appeared and would have been called, I feel like, in – the middle of October, but here we are in January where one of them, it's the, ah, you know what? We got to let these guys play. And then you mentioned an hour and a half after the play is over, 
the, the referee's sitting there like, I, I can't help myself. And he throws the flag there. The season's over. And it just leaves a really bad taste in our mouth because it was a really fun game for 59 minutes. And the way it ended just really, really put a damper on the whole expectation. It just ripped my heart out because I'm watching that play happen. You know, he doesn't catch the ball. And I'm like, yes. All right. No flags. No flags. No flags. Let's go. What the fuck is that yellow thing on the field? I do not understand. That does not match the yellow of the of the green and gold that the Packers have. It's clashing. What the fuck is that? My goodness, it's a flag. Are they really, really calling this right now? And the thing that really threw me through a loop is that they let a play run. And then they then they said that there was a booth review. And I was like, no. But then it was for that play that was already ran. It was a bullshit like yardage spot. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So it was uh, not the way uh, not the way I wanted to end. You know, Green Bay is Green Bay just always gets their heart ripped out by the fucking refs. And, you know, everyone's always like, oh, well, the Des Bryant, is that a catch? Is that not a catch? I can I can just fucking rally off seven instances where we get fucked by the refs in other playoff games. But we're just thinking about that one against Des Bryant. Not even a playoff game. We can already just rattle off the fail Mary in 2013. And that's when the downfall started. Well, and I really, I know, I feel like I'm piling on and I, I know that you understand I'm not. We're just having, trying to have the discussion right now, but it really is frustrating too from an outsider when you consider how much talent, especially Aaron Rodgers has, but the Packers have had in the last 20 years, even pre Aaron Rodgers era with Brett Favre, all you can think of with the exception of the 2010, 2011 Super Bowl year for you guys, where Every postseason game, it feels like everything has to go wrong for the Packers to find a way to lose these games. Like I said, there's even before the, the Aaron Rodgers days, the Brett Favre loss to New York in the negative 20-something degree game where he throws a pick in overtime. It, it just really feels like there's just like this stigma in their head or there's something where you get in these big moments and just – it's been a letdown. You have the Bostic play where he drops the ball on the the freaking onside kick. Yeah, I mean, then you have games where you just get shell shocked by San Francisco, the Colin Kaepernick game, the game last year. At some point, you got to imagine his team's going to get over the hump, but they're running out of time with Aaron Rodgers, and even if he's re-signed it, something's got to change, and I don't know what it is. It's got to start with the front office. It just absolutely has to start with the front office. Low-key, I think that the Green Bay Packers have one of the worst front offices in the NFL, but they have just been shadowed by Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers for the past 20, 25 years. I mean, all these guys do. Now, let's, let's kind of think. You have Brett Favre, right? All they do is load them up with receivers, weapons, and give them a top 10 defense i think outside of i think it was four years out of Aaron, or uh, out of brett Favre's career he did not have a top 10 defense the man just cannot make it to the playoffs without one we fast forward to aaron Rodgers. he can get you only so far without a defense passing we can deal with we just we can't stop the run and we continually choose 
to not only pay Aaron Rodgers, but just to overpay certain players where the rest of the, you know, 16, 15 other players are just absolute dog shit. And there's just a complete talent drop off outside of the stars. Once Aaron, once Aaron wins the Super Bowl in 2011, 20 or the 2010 season in, in 2011, they have only had two top 10 defenses since then. You want to know when they've had those top 10 defenses these past two years? They still cannot get it done because surprisingly, the defense is letting up too many rushing yards. Now, granted, this past week, they kind of held their own, but it's just is always a continual trend that we will not pay defensive players just because our front office thinks that we can outscore anybody. When the fuck have we ever outscored anybody since the 2011 season when we had the one of the historically great offenses? We haven't. When is the only time we've won a Super Bowl? When we've had top five defenses. Why? I just don't understand why it's never fucking clicking. Casey Hayward ring a bell? That all-pro corner for uh, Chargers? Started in Green Bay, let him walk. Micah Hyde, all-pro safety and corner? He can really do anything? Green Bay, let him walk. Hell, I'll even give HaHa Clinton dicks. Better than any safety we currently have, let him walk. Blake Martinez. Dude did nothing but led the fucking team in tackles his whole career, his four-year career in Green Bay. Let him walk for really cheap. Mike Daniels, one of the greatest run stoppers and D tackles in the game. Let him fucking walk. I just don't understand Green Bay. And just kind of back to our insanity talk. You do, you know, insanity. You're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the different result. And you're just getting the same fucking result. He gotta help Aaron somehow. No wonder he's always throwing shots in the media. Now I'll say one last thing, and then we'll eventually move on because obviously we do have to talk about other teams too. But I do think that as weird as this sounds, and let me finish up before it sounds completely moronic when I when I start here. But sometimes I truly feel like if you get elite quarterback play, and you can go in almost any sport with this, it's almost the biggest curse that you can have. Where for you guys. You guys have one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the league. He hold, or hides so many deficiencies, so many poor decisions that you said it. The front office kind of gets to hide in plain sight where they get to say, hey, you know what? We're going 13-3 and three every year. What do you guys want from us? When in reality, if they were addressing the defensive needs before the last couple of years, if they were surrounding Aaron Rodgers with more talent, who knows what can be, you have teams like Kansas City now and what New England was with Tom Brady. What's the difference between them and that Green Bay Packers team is they have a better front office that they can constantly keep reloading and say, hey, you know what? If we have one of the best quarterbacks in the game, we're going to do everything in our power to keep that window open as long as possible. And credit to New England, they did it through defense and letting Tom Brady and Bill Belichick do their thing while you have Kansas City, who goes all offense right now and says, you're literally not going to be able to stop us, and that's how we're going to win. So Green Bay having those, I mean, I, I feel like it's not just you. I feel like it's basically half of Wisconsin. It's like, what do we have to do to get you guys to realize that there are obvious problems with that front office and the way that we are going about this year in and year out? It's got to be very, very frustrating. I'll let you have the last word now about this game, about the Packers. But at the end of the day, congratulations to Tom Brady. Congratulations to that crazy situation down there in Tampa. They deserve the chance to play for a Super Bowl. And they have a much better shot right now than I think I was giving them credit for 
honestly all year. <sighs> fucking Tom Brady, man. I'll say it once and I'll say it again. I just I just hate that I have to taste the fucking ice cream that you guys have been eating the past 20 years. This is just simply not fun. Not a fan of it. That's going to wrap us up here, at least for the conference championship games. Uh, before we kind of hop out of here, I want to give a, a little bit of a uh, taste test of what we're going to be dealing here next week, obviously. But next week is when we're really going to dive deep in for these uh, these Super Bowl picks. We're going to have a bunch of props. Obviously, just lines, lines on lines on lines, like we're at fucking Tony Montana's house. But Wally, what are some of your, uh, what are a couple of thoughts going into this game, into the Super Bowl here that what is now 10 days away? Without going into too much, because we will talk about it next week, we're going to really, really dissect that game. I already kind of hinted at who I'm picking. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs. At the very least, I will make money while I'm miserable if they win. If they do manage to lose, it was the best money I ever spent to see them lose. I've never rooted for Tom Brady harder going into an individual game in his entire career as I will be rooting for Tom Brady in the Bucks to beat those bastards from Kansas City. I, I really don't have much positive to say about that game. This is this is a Super Bowl matchup from hell, man. I got nothing. Yeah, I agree. As an now now I'm the outsider looking in for you. I'm I'm the NFC boy. This is going to be I, I hope top three or five Super Bowls to ever be played. And I'm talking about even with 20 years, this is 20 years down the road. We're all going to look at this because let's be honest. This is the matchup that we have been looking for. We have me and Wally were talking about this. You have the GOAT versus the future. And we don't, you already had those matchups in conference championship weekend. It was the GOATs versus the future between those two. That's what we're expecting, at least on the AFC side, Josh Allen and uh, Pat Mahomes squaring off very frequently. But this is awesome. You know, everyone is painting, you know, painting this picture of this is what it would be like if it was LeBron versus MJ. I agree. This is going to be a absolute blast to watch. And I think everyone needs to soak it in as much as there's going to be a lot of hatred coming, you know, especially from the AFC fans. This is going to be so much fun to watch. This is a once in two lifetime chances because these are going to be the two greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game when we're done. And Aaron Rodgers is the third. So we got to see an Aaron, Aaron Tom game, which we don't see too often. Next year, it's going to be an Aaron versus Pat Mahomes game, which we'll never see again. So I can't wait. And that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Loss of Down. Man, oh man, this is when the fun starts. This is when we're going to have to create stories to talk about. It's really easy when you can just look up stats, fucking rally a bunch of shit off here, make us look smart. But now this is this is the real fun part here. But check us out here next week. We have a bunch, a bunch of Super Bowl talk. And finally, debuting our betting segment of prop lock and drop it. That's right. I'm sure nostalgia just hit. You thought you were in a middle school dance, getting your peen grinded on, but it's not strictly about gambling prop lock and drop it. We pick a prop. We pick a lock. We pick a bet that we're staying away from. But before I dip out, Mr. Lukashensky, do you have anything to say? Yeah, I just wanted to throw out, since we don't have any normal bets this week, I just wanted to throw some potential future ideas that you guys might want to think about this year. Because if you guys know me, I'm a diehard hockey fan, you know, Ohio State fan. I'm a little into everything. So I just want to real quick throw a few out here for future-wise. 
If I was betting on the Stanley Cup champion as of right now, I would either take Colorado at plus 700 or take Tampa Bay at plus 850. Both of those teams are wagon jet again. They're back looking better than ever. I think Tampa Bay right now has the better odds right to, to repeat than anybody we've seen since the Penguins did it a few years ago. So I would drop a little on the Tampa Bay plus 850 future. I would also look at Tuka Rask winning the Vesna, which is which is best goaltender. And that's at plus 1,200 right now. The guy's unbelievable. The fact that the the Bruins might win their division will also help that. And then here, a couple quick ones to end it off with. Daytona 500. My family, big FedEx people. I love Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin's going to win. Plus 800. I'm Purple Grimace shirt. If you followed me and Steven from before this, you got me back in it. We're right around racing time again. I'm going to get to look like a, a goon, a little bit of an idiot, and I don't care. That's my white trash side of Wally. I like NASCAR, so deal with it. And then last but not least, take Gonzaga to win the national championship in basketball. The team's just literally a cut above everybody else right now. If you do bet at the moment, they're plus 280 to win the entire tournament, but somehow only minus 300 to reach the final four. So that should tell you how much Vegas really likes this team. I'm hammering Gonzaga, but otherwise... Not much right now. Got excited. Next week, we get to talk football. We're going to do that prop lock and drop it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Otherwise, I really don't have too much else to add right now. Thinking or send your your thoughts, good vibes, love all the way. My mom's dealing with her wrist. Also, happy birthday belated to Stephen Weed right here. He celebrated another trip around the earth. So you're the man. And otherwise, I think that's it for me. I'm ready to, to wait until next week and we'll be talking a little bit of football Stephen. what do you got to, to wrap us up here and that is the degenerate corner with wally lukashensky before i leave i want to give a uh, quick shout out to evan desiker uh, my man uh, loves gambling has told me multiple times that this is going to be his year off he's also told me multiple times he goes uh came out of retirement today this story particularly started happening at 11:30 a.m on a thursday where he said, man, I came out of retirement. I said, what? He goes, yeah, had a lot of money riding on the Iranian Premier Soccer League. I said, what? He goes, well, I don't know why you're freaking out. I just won it. So to follow up with the Wally degenerate corner there, as Wally always says, every losing bet just means you're one closer to your next winner. Never stop when you're down. And trust me, we're going to dig you out of that hole real quick here next week. He is Wally Lukashensky. Out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I am Stephen Weed here out of Columbus, Ohio. Thank you guys for joining us here again. As always, follow us on any social media platform. We have Facebook and Instagram at Loss of Down. And then we have your Twitter down underscore. Wait, what? Down under down of loss? Down underscore loss? <laughs> down underscore loss. You know, you know, I'm gonna write that down. We've only been doing the podcast for about four months, so I'm gonna I think I might get that down. Until next week. Cannot wait to go over specifically the over-under for the national anthem. Can't wait to see you guys. Tales never fails. 